Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We pick up today in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, where we read, And then they came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. We're also called the Gadarenes. It's just a different time era, but it's the same place on the, on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. It says, and when they had come out of the boat, immediately a man from the tomb came with an unclean spirit to meet him. And it says, this man, he had his dwelling amongst the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, some people ask me, do you think this is really possible that a man could have power like superhuman power if you add in demons yes it's one of those things we're not talking about human strength here or feats of strength we're talking about adding in a spiritual dimension from from demonic powers and yes demons can give power to a man now it says because he had often been bound with these shackles and chains and no one could hold him down subdue him it says, so constantly, night and day, this man was amongst the tombs and in the mountains, and he was crying out and gashing himself with stones. And then seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. Wait a minute. Did he have an introduction? Isn't it interesting that a guy with demons recognized who Jesus was? Did the spiritual leaders know who Jesus was? No. They didn't get it. If you read on, he, he, it'll say in verse 8, he, he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And the demon answered, he, he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion representing a thousand. So then he began to entreat him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Please don't send me out of the country. In one of the other gospel accounts, it says that when, the, when Jesus encountered, he said, What do I have to do with you, Son of the Most High? Have you come to send me to the pit before my time? Anyone here ever feel like the devil hassles you? Just, just once in a while, you know, the guy... Just, you can't put your finger on, but something is just really off. And, and you you might have had a little brush with some some demonic powers that have tried to drag you down. But I have news for you. In this story, this is one of the greatest stories to learn something, a truth, a biblical truth about demons. Now, in Matthew's gospel, we're told that hell was created for the devil and his angels, the angels, one-third of the host of heaven that rebelled with him, that's what hell was made for. But they are not, uh, well, it says they were cast down after they rebelled to this earth, where they await the judgment day. They're waiting for this day of judgment, and on that day, sentence will be passed. And until then, unfortunately, those buggers are still around. Now, don't be fearful that demons are still around. Just understand one thing. They can tell who has Jesus. 
Because there's no, the Bible says there's no greater power than the name of Jesus. And if you've ever encountered a demon or you've had it where it's bothering you, let me teach you this today. I, I come from, that was my background before coming to Christ. I hung out with quite a few friends that had invited demons into them. And these demons did give them supernatural powers. And they were offering to me to join up, please. We got to, we have, they didn't call them demons, by the way. They call them friends. We have friends that live inside us and give us power. And they're invisible friends, but they, they give you supernatural power. Now, Satan doesn't mind deceiving anybody into believing that because he will deceive them into saying, yeah, okay. And all you have to do is open up and let them in. Kind of ironic because Satan always imitates what God designed. He's not an originator of any new ideas. He's just a copier. And in God's design, did you guys know that you were actually created to have another spirit besides your spirit living in you? A spirit that gives you power? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost. You weren't made for fallen spirits, demons, fallen angels to live in you. You were made for God's spirit. Because God's spirit doesn't do to you what demons will. Demons will say, just let me in and I'll give you power. Power to do what? To snap free shackles and chains and be a wild man so that you're out of control and no one can even be around you? That's not what God's Spirit will do. Power to take and, and, and cause you to, to cry out and, and gash yourself with stones and live amongst the tombs. Is that, is that what God would do to you? Oh, I'm going to let God's Spirit in me and then I'm going to go crazy and start gashing. No. But that's what the demons were doing to this man. Well, here's something you need to know. Demons do know that there's an appointed day of judgment coming. And one thing that freaks them out more than anything, and by the way, they always motivate with fear. Two greatest motivators are what? Love and fear. The Bible says God is love. And God always motivates us by his love. Paul said, it's the love of God with, which constraineth me. It's what drives me, what motivates me, what gets me going. And if you say, somebody, I, I have to motivate somebody. Let, let's say we, we got to motivate someone to get up and go do something. We can do it with the motivation of love. Holland, would you get up and get a Bible for that person over there? Out of love, out of love he'll get up and get the Bible. Right? That, that's just out of love. He does that every week. Whenever you say, anyone need a Bible? Raise your hand. That, we don't go, if you don't pass out Bibles, we're going to take you and lash you. A 39 lashes, you know. No. We don't need to use fear to motivate. Now, I'm not saying fear won't get somebody to get up and move. Something like, well, I don't believe you. I say, look, if you don't think I can get you to get up, we'll find some way to fear intimidate you out of that chair now you, you can think in your own mind of ways that people do this they do it in movies all the time you just have to watch a few of those mafia movies and you see satan has taught to men the motivation that he uses fear but god doesn't use that motivation god uses love and his love is what should motivate and drive us and i realize the bible is very clear don't don't spend a lot of time trying to learn what demons do. You don't need to. The Bible says, be wise concerning what is good and be simple concerning what is evil. 
In other words, you just need the basic simple facts. Let me tell you one of the simple facts. Satan does know there is a judgment day coming. He does know that his days are numbered. And so he, knowing he's on a timeline, he is busting his chops because you've heard the saying, right? Misery loves company. He's like, look, if I got to go, I'm going to drag down as many folks with me as I can. And he's working hard at it. And one thing that Satan and his demons, his fallen angels, that they hate is somebody who shows up with authority, the authority of God most high, and has that authority to say, get out of the country. Or even better yet, I cast you into the pit. And they said, don't cast us into the pit before our time. They know there's a time they're going to get judged. And whenever they hassle you, you just remind them, you know, they might be hassling you. I remember there was this um, singer, Carmen, he used to sing a song about when the devil's reminding you of your past, your mistakes, you remind him of his what? His future. When he starts throwing up in your face, well, you blew it here and you blew it there. You just go and you blew it and you're and I know where you're going. And if you keep hassling me, I'm going to send you there before your time. Now, some people think I'm joking about this. Now, don't ever try to. We read this in the book of Jude. In Jude's, he wrote, don't don't ever say I rebuke you, Satan. Instead, do not even Michael. He said the archangel said, I rebuke you. What did Michael do? He said, he said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. He never said, I do it. And he was, Michael, I mean, this is the angel that stands in the presence of Elohim, the one who stands in the presence of God. He didn't even say, I rebuke you to Satan. Instead, who did he call on? The Lord. So if you ever have a demon bothering you, you just say, the Lord rebuke you. Get lost. And if he keeps hassling you, you go to this. If you don't get lost, I'm going to ask the Lord to put you not just out of country, but over to the pit where you can sit and wait until the day of judgment. Buzz off. Okay. Now, some people laugh at me when I tell them this, but this stuff, does. do demons really hate the name of Jesus? Yes. And there is no other name. It doesn't... If I could just stress this enough, if you could just carry this away, if you're ever, ever in trouble, if there's ever any spiritual situation that is beyond your person, maybe you don't even understand, you just feel this darkness. Just call on the name of Jesus. Okay? Satan hates the name of Jesus. He just, oh man, it gives him shudders. And his demons, they know who Jesus is. And remember, Jesus gave the authority to all of his followers to, to his name. In his name, you can cast out demons. In his name, you can see people restored. In his name, you can see people healed. So the disciples, when they started saying, in the name of Jesus, you ever hear people lead with that? In the, there's a good reason they do that. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be gone, you demon. Now, when you're Jesus, you don't have to say, in my name, be gone, because well, you're you, and you can just say, be gone. He's the only one that gets to say, I say, be gone. But as for us, we have to call his name and invoke him. Call upon the Lord, the scripture says, and you shall be saved. Now, Jesus said to the demons, come out of the man, verse 8, you unclean spirit. 
And he asked him, what was your name? And that's when they said Legion. So in verse 11, we're told there was a big herd of swine that were feeding on the mountainside. Let me just read it. Verse 12 says, and so he entreated him saying, send us into the swine so that we might enter them. And Jesus gave them permission and coming out of the unclean, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the herd rushed down the, the, the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them. And they were drowned in the sea. These demons go, can we go over there into that herd of pigs? I'd be thinking, oh, oh, <coughs> you know. And Jesus says, all right, go ahead. Now, if... If I was the people in the region, I'd be going, thank you. You got rid of the smell, you know, Whew. you know, glory be. It's going to, you know, the air is going to finally not stink. But, but let me read you what happens. Then those that tended the pigs ran away and they reported in the city and out into the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they observed the man. Who, who had been demon-possessed, was now sitting down. He was clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. And those that had seen it described to them how this had happened and how the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to entreat Jesus to do what? Please leave. It says in my Bible to depart from their region. This blows my mind. I, I, I'm like, what? And not only that, look at this. And, and it says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was entreating Jesus that he might accompany him. But he did not let him. Instead, he said to him, go to your, to your people. Go home and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And so he went off and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So he went back to the region of ten cities. It's to the, it's to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee there. And it's in the region what is um, the area where the tribe of Gad actually was gifted this property from when Moses had and Joshua had brought the children of Israel. Now, I'm only telling you this because this has direct bearing in who's living in the region when Jesus showed up. Is this Gentile people on this side of the Sea of Galilee, or is this the descendants of the Jews? The descendants of the Jews, of the tribe of Gad and Manasseh and half, half the tribe of Ephraim, they're, they're, they've all settled this side of the Sea of Galilee. And I'm pointing this out because... What were they raising by this point when Jesus came? I know it's been a long time. Things have changed. Lots of time has passed. And instead of raising sheep, what were they raising? Pigs. Is there any problem with Jews raising pigs? Sorry, guys. They, were, they weren't allowed to have it. There were the, it was it was part of the the Jewish Levitical law. They weren't supposed to eat these things. They were called unclean meats. So first of all, because some people say that wasn't very nice of Jesus. He just killed off their pigs. I, my question to you is, what were they doing raising them in the first place? They weren't supposed to. And so when the people come from the town and the 
and the countryside around and they get there and here's the man that had the thousand of demons in him sitting in his right mind they don't say all oh, right finally that guy we shackled and we couldn't i mean he was out of control nobody said that's great they just said can you leave jesus now jesus jesus said to him when he said can i go with you she said no you can't you got to go back to your home just tell what great things god has done for you now, do you know, we don't have historically any record of any of the apostles going to that side of the sea and sharing the gospel. And yet, I went to that region some years ago on one of my trips to Israel, and I got taken to the ruins of a church where they actually had in the mosaic, it was from the Byzantine period, about 200, 300 A.D. This is going to be a couple centuries after Jesus had the encounter with this man. And there on the Byzantine laid floor, by little, little teeny tile by tile, different colors, they had made a mosaic of the story of Jesus casting out the demons into the pigs and the pigs going over the... That means a couple hundred years later, they commemorated the story about this man, his testimony. Because Jesus said, just go tell... He, did he go to Bible school? Did he have any, you know, preacher teaching lessons on what to make his sermon about or, you know, pointers, how to deliver it? No. All he had was, all he had was going and experience. It's called your testimony. The experience of what he had gone through. He, he knew how bad it was to have a thousand demons in him. And he knew that when he came face to face with this Jesus, the son of the most high, those demons had to obey who? Jesus. And all he had to do was say, be gone, and they left. And so he's sitting there telling the people in the region of his hometown all about this. Now, so this means that like 270 years later, the testimony of this man being freed from demons was still being shared. So much so that it inspired a whole synagogue to put it on the floor. Right? So you could look out over the sea and see that's the spot where this took place. And we remember that and we commemorate it. And we have a whole synagogue built here with the floor to remember the testimony of how Jesus set this man free. And I think, how many of you would have something that took place in your life that you could share with your home Two to three hundred years from now, they'll say, oh, yeah, Joanne, they, they did, Jesus did this for her. Let's put that down so everyone will remember. You can hope, right? This same testimony has been being shared for a couple thousand years. And they say, why? What's the big deal? Any of you ever feel like you'd like to overcome Satan in your life? Turn with me to Revelation 12. We'll finish this study today. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. We read a verse that tells us how in the future there's going to be a, there's going to be a battle between Satan and uh, the followers of the Lord. And at that time, 
There'll be a great war. If you want to read about it, you can back up for extra credit and read starting at verse 7. But in verse 10, let me just read it from verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, our accuser, has been thrown. He's been thrown down. Who accuses, it says, them before God day and night. If you ever felt like someone's pointing the finger at you and pointing out all your flaws, you got it right. You, you're spiritually perceptive. The one who's doing it is Satan. He's going, did you see Izzy? Did you see what he did? And how often does he do it? Constantly, that jerk. Pointing out my faults before God day and night. But it says in verse 11, to those ones he points out, and they overcame him. How do you overcome somebody's always pointing out your faults, always dragging you down? Let me explain. Three steps. They overcame him first because of the blood of, of the lamb. And also, two more things, because of their testimony. Not the word of the guy with the, the had the demons that went into the pig's testimony. The word of the individual's testimony that person's testimony, and that they did not love their lives, the third thing, even unto death. Now, let me emphasize to you, when it says these people overcame the devil, they overcame him because of the blood of Jesus. They overcame him because they had a testimony. You know, each one of you have a testimony how God has met you, how he has introduced his son to you. That's your testimony. And let me tell you, the devil likes to argue and debate things, religious points. He'll sucker people into these, like, nonsensical, endless thinking debates where they can't solve the riddle and just befuddle them, just to try to trip up their faith. But one thing he cannot argue and he cannot, he is not an authority on, is what God has done in your life. That's your testimony, and he can... Try to, like, well, get you sidetracked arguing about something else. But you go, you know, I don't know about that. But what I do know is I used to be over here in my faith, and I wasn't really walking with God. And then he did this and came, brought me to a juncture where I got to come to know him and his son. And he gave me his spirit. And that I know. And that is your testimony. No one can take that from you. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. I didn't want someone to touch me. I didn't need someone who wanted to care I didn't want the complications I didn't need that road that headed nowhere Into my life Took me over by surprise, surprise, surprise.
So lovely.